talking about anger. Oh boy. And uh, so, uh, you know, as followers of Jesus, we know that we're called to love, right? And so I wanted to start, I wanted to start from that angle, from that, from that perspective this morning. We're called to love everybody, right? And I, wa- I wanted to start this morning, this talk on anger by just reminding us of that above all else, love God, right? And love others as he loved us. That's what the church needs to lean into. That's the, the love of the Father. That's just, I think that, that's just what the church, the, as the American institution that it's become, we need to be transformed by the overwhelming love of the Father. Amen? And can I get an amen? Yeah. Yeah. So, because then what happens, his love changes us, and then we learn to love our neighbors the way he loves them in ways that we never could without him as our source. So we all process anger differently. I'm a stuffer. Do we have any stuffers in the room? All right. You're not going to raise your hand because you're stuffing it all. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, some of us, you know, we, you don't like confrontation, so you just stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff until eventually something's going to blow. And uh, it's not very healthy, is it? And, and, and neither, neither is the explosive confrontational anger. Anger is just tricky. It's destructive. It's like a poison that eats you from the inside out. But not only does it hurt you, it's like a bomb that explodes and it spreads its shrapnel all around. So, uh, but we're called to love and we're called to love those people. You know what I'm talking about? And, and admittedly, some of, of those people, it seems like a little bit more difficult to love today than ever because there's so many complications. I mean, there, there's always, there always is. There's so many complications in the world and there's so much tension. And so if you find yourself easily frustrated or, or often angry or even offended, I want to let the words of the Apostle Paul speak to us this morning. Would you stand with me? We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse uh, 26. Um, we're going to let it speak into our hearts today. We're going to read through this all together, and then we're going to kind of just go verse by verse. It's a very short message this morning, very simple, but I think this is what Holy Spirit is speaking. So let's read this together. should be on the screen. Are we ready? Are we ready? All right, so let's read it on on three. One, two, three. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only, I lost you, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. All right. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. May your Holy Spirit just speak directly into our spirit, man. We want to be changed by uh, uh, hearing your word this morning. In your mighty name, amen. And amen. Okay, so let's start at the top, and we're going to work our way through this text. So the word of God says this, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry 
and do not give the devil a foothold. So that verse is powerful. In your anger, do not sin. So this, that implies something, doesn't it? That, that implies that we can be angry and not fall into sin. And that's really good news if you find yourself angry. And, and chances are that you might, if you go out and you interact with people anywhere, if you go online and interact with people today, if you open up a news app and you read the stories today, chances are somewhere, somehow, you will have the chance to be offended. And here's, here's what I try to remind myself over and over and over again on your notes, that there is simply no win in being offended. There's no victory. There's no win. I've never found my life to become more joyful when I'm ticked off. <laughs> you know, I, my relationship has never gotten better when I'm angry at some injustice, right? I've, I've never gotten closer to God. I've, I've never had more intimate conversations when I've walked around with ongoing unforgiveness towards someone who hurt me in my life. And so I need to remember that there's no win in living offended. Uh, but I'm still likely to be offended, so what do I do? Well, I, I tell myself this, that being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. Being offended is gonna happen. I will probably offend you. <laughs> Somebody else is gonna light your fire today. You might not get out of the parking lot without somebody offending you with their driving, right? Being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. It's gonna happen, but you can still choose how you respond to an offense. And so perhaps uh, that's one of the reasons I think why the Apostle Paul is telling us you've gotta be really, really, really careful. Because if you hold on to anger, and if, and if, if you're always running and you're always nurturing an offense, and if you're rehearsing all the hurts, what you're actually doing is, it says you're giving the enemy, the father of lies, a foothold is what the scripture calls it, in your life. You're, you're giving him a foothold. Now, a foothold is not when you put your foot in the door. It's not that. It's not when you, uh, you know, it's not a crevice in the rock where you can put your foot while you're rock climbing. It's, it's not that. The word in the Greek is different. The word literally means a place or a room. In other words, if you go on and live in your anger, you're giving the enemy a place in your heart. You're giving him room in your life to work. I don't know about you, but I don't want to give the devil any access to anything that matters to me. And, and, and I don't want my anger or my offense to give the enemy access to attack anything that's close to me. And so I don't want to give him access to my relationships. I, I don't, I, if you're married, you know, you don't want to give him access there. You don't want, to, want him to attack the intimacy that you have. Um, I, I don't want to give the enemy access to my children and maybe even divide us. I, I, I don't want the enemy to, to, to have the ability to attack my friends and the people that I do life with. And I don't want to give the enemy access to my church family. Hello? Yeah. Right? Yeah. If we live in anger and if we harbor bitterness and live easily offended, Scripture says we're giving our spiritual enemy access to our lives. Scripture says that Satan, he schemes against us, right? 
And so what would he do if he were in a brainstorming session trying to break the heart of God and, and, and hurt his people? What would he try to do? You know, anger is, is, a, is a good way to get in there. It's, a good, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a wedge. He would try, number one, to divide families and friends and churches. He would try to divide. He would try to bring division as much as he could into families and friends and churches, right? And all you've got to do is start talking about politics or, you know, throw in there some racial division with people's misunderstandings and, and everybody's toxic opinions, right? And you might throw in some vaccine stuff or some mask stuff and get a good discussion going, right? And before long, if you did that, you could destroy friendships. You could destroy, you could have family members that stop talking to each other. And you could ruin marriages and you could split churches. The enemy does what he can to divide followers of Jesus because when we're united, we're unstoppable. But when we're divided, things fall apart, right? They're weak, ineffective. And he tries every device to divide the body of Christ. The second thing that the enemy does is he distracts the followers of Jesus from their mission. He distracts them. He gets them arguing about anything, just anything. We see this, anything in culture, he'll have them boycotting some business they get angry about that distracts them from their mission. He'll have them complaining about the latest, you know, Netflix series that they don't understand and that has all that bad stuff in it. And if it's not cultural stuff that gets them distracted, he'll just use anything like, like Instagram and get them all, you know, comparing with everybody else and arguing over senseless stuff and sending conspiracy videos. Oh man, do you have that person in your life? <laughs> the enemy has lots of ways to distract us from the mission. He will try to divide and distract. And lastly, he will try to discredit our witness. And that is gonna be relatively easy to do when he's already got the church focusing on what they're against. He gets them arguing about whatever they're mad about. And his goal, think about this, 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 would be to keep us angry, critical, judgmental, hypocritical, self-centered, self-righteous, easily offended, and ticked off at the world instead of loving the world. That's what the enemy does. And when I look at that strategy, and when I look and I, and I see the world, I think the forces of devil are active in using anger to discredit and weaken the body of Christ. The enemy, this is what he does, the enemy is trying to divide and discredit and distract. And it's, and it's not just like out there, but we actually see it happening close to home right now. We see it happening with our family members. We see it happening in the church, in the body of Christ. And we, we see some people that should be the most loving, being incredibly mean and in harsh ways to hurt so many people. And that's why there's a, a part of this verse that I don't want us to miss. Ephesians 4.26 tells us not to let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let the day come to an end. 
When you're still harboring an offense against someone, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, this verse implies something powerful that the day of your hurt should also be the day of your healing. The same day that someone offends you should be the very same day that as a follower of Jesus, you're working to bring reconciliation into that relationship. It should be. This should be the principle that every person in any kind of relationship should live by. Early on in your marriage, just agree with each other. We're not going to sleep, going to go to sleep mad. Notice I didn't say go to bed mad because uh, you will go to bed mad. (laughs) But don't go to sleep mad. Don't do it. And that can be really annoying, right? Because you're going to, you might have some late nights. You might be, might be up kind of late because sometimes you're just going to want to go to sleep and like, we'll do this tomorrow night. How different though, do you think our friendships would be and our families would be and the body of Christ would be if on the day that I offended you, I owned it and I apologized. I said, would you please forgive me? Or on the day that you offended me, that I had the grace, as I've been so often given to choose to forgive you. Or the day that we had a misunderstanding or a disagreement or a hurt that we both said, hey, let's just let that thing go. How different do you think the world would be if just on the same day of the hurt, as followers of Jesus, we worked towards that healing? Don't let the sun go down while you're angry because you don't want to give the enemy access to divide, to distract, or to discredit you from being who God is calling you to be. Amen? All right, let's read on. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. How are we doing with that? How are you doing with that? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. No belittling, no bad mouthing, no criticizing, no gossiping, no name-calling groups of people a bunch of idiots. Don't let anything come out of your mouth except for what is helpful to build others up, to encourage, and to be a blessing. Okay, I want to give you some rules uh, to live by. This is, this is good for your relationship with your kids and your connect group and your small group and uh, with people that you don't get along with well, okay? I want to give you six suggestions that just might be helpful in your relationships, not to let the wrong thing come out of your mouth. Just really quickly. The first thing is this. Don't call people names. It's like, you know, something your mom and dad were going to tell you, right? Don't call your brother <laughs> that name. There's no reason and there's no excuse, but... It, Here's the thing, how many, how many of us have seen it, maybe even online? There's no, there's no reason, there's no excuse to be dishonoring, to tear anybody down by calling anybody any name. Another suggestion would be don't raise your voice. 
How many of you have ever felt really loved by somebody who's yelling at you? Yeah. People are influenced when, we, when we're loving with our voice. And so, by the way, if you're sending a text, don't send it in all caps because that's yelling at me. And so, uh, stop yelling at me. Lowercase is loving. Uppercase is, ah! <laughs> don't raise your voice. Don't raise your voice. If you have to walk away for a few seconds to, to let that happen, just don't do it. The next suggestion is this. Don't get historical. Not hysterical either, but historical is the word we're looking for, historical. We're not gonna go back in time and say, you know, remember what you did in 1977? How many of you have had people do that? And it, it, it you know, there's, there's, there's a place in a, in, a, in, a, in a good relational time where you go back and you work through some stuff, but don't, don't go back and, and just dig up the past because it's a weapon. That's, that's not a good thing to do. You did that. You did this. Look at your history. Don't do that. It's not helpful in reconciliation. Never call names. Never raise your voice. Never get historical. And then four, never say never or always. You, you never do this. You always do that, right? That's just not true. And it's absolutely not helpful. And then for those of you that are married, I always suggest this, don't threaten divorce. Just make a pact that that's not gonna come up in our house, that's not gonna be a word that we even use. Don't use divorce as a threat. And this is the most important rule. I left it blank for you so you could write it down. Never, ever, ever quote your pastor during a fight. Just leave me out of it, please. <laughs> so don't do it. <laughs> uh, so, to summarize, this is how I'd summarize all that stuff. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now, if you're like me, though, when you find yourself angry, here's what I do. I'm tempted to justify my anger. <laughs> right? I'm tempted to defend it. If somebody would say something like, well, they hurt me. And, and so they're wrong and I'm right. They betrayed me and so they're wrong and I'm right. And so I'd say my anger is a righteous anger, right? Yeah, and we will compare ourselves to Jesus flipping the tables, right? Have you ever done that before? I mean, I've, I've, I've done. And so you could probably argue that there was a time for you to be righteously anger, angry, but I just want to unpack that and just be careful with this because uh, I want us to ask ourselves, do we, really, do we want to stick with this metaphor of righteous anger for a moment? Now, anger is a fire and anger is a rage and anger is destructive. Now, is there any other destructive force in scripture that we like to call righteous? I mean, think about other sins. Think about other things. Do we, does anybody ever brag about their righteous greed? <laughs> like, I, I just want more and more and more and more. Does anybody ever talk about a righteous lust or a righteous, you know, gluttony? I'm just going to eat that whole pie for the glory of God. <laughs> no, we, so we, do we really want to justify our, our anger and try to say that it's righteous? Because if we do, and you can make that decision for yourself, but here's what we're supposed to do with all anger if we read the rest of this verse. Even righteous anger, verse 31 says, get rid of all bitterness in all rage, in all anger, brawling, and slander. 
It's almost like Paul's like, I'm going to name everything I can. And if you're trying to give me a loophole, I'm going to fill in your loophole. And if I left anything out, every other form of malice. And then in verse 32, he says something profound. But first, let me tell you what he doesn't say. You guys ready for it? Are you, are you ready? Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. He doesn't say, be arrogant about your moral spirituality. He, he doesn't say, be critical of everyone who thinks differently from you. He, he doesn't say, be harsh because you're dealing with idiots. Right? What he says is, be kind and be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgive you. Can I just read that again? Can we hear that afresh this morning? <laughs> Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Can we let that just sink in? What are we to be? We're, we're to get rid of anger and slander and malice, and instead we should be kind and compassionate and forgiving. Yeah. So question, where can you be kind and compassionate and forgiving? The answer is you have to be up close. It's almost impossible to be way far off and be kind. It's like saying, I really, really, I really want to forgive you, but I just don't want to be close to you. It doesn't feel genuine. You actually have to be close in proximity. One of the challenges, can we just get real for just a second, that I see in the church at large today is that it's really easy to shout truth from a distance. Here's why you're wrong. Here's where I'm right. I want to make a difference. And we're shouting it. It's easy to shout truth from a distance, but it takes time to love up close. It's incredibly ineffective to shout and to be angry from a distance, but it's incredibly effective to be slow to speak, to be quick to listen, and slow to become angry, to get into somebody else's world, to understand their hurts, to understand their fears, to have compassion for a different way of thinking instead of trying to be right all the time. I remember that the series we did a couple years ago at the beginning of the year. God didn't call us to be right, He called us to be a light. We don't want to forfeit God's call to love just so we can be right. We are called to something so much higher than that close, in proximity, close. Listen, when was the last time that you just listened to somebody who's incredibly different from you? You listened and then loved them even though they're incredibly different from you. I love, love, love the opportunity that our team, our outreach team is gonna get 
to go and walk the streets of Lincoln Park with Judah and Candace. I don't know how many of you follow him online, but almost every day he has a story about how he's walking those streets. And he has, there's, there's, there's some kind of crazy situations. I mean, he's, he's in a rough neighborhood. They moved their family into the neighborhood that God was calling them to. And let me tell you, the, the ministry and the work that they're doing, it's a lot of just listening. Going up to people's houses and sitting on their porch and talking and listening and loving them. I can't wait to get to be a part of that. We get, we get to be a part of that. In fact, the first night, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna have a worship night out in the backyard. Raise up a sound. Be kind and compassionate and love them even if they're incredibly different from you. It's easy to hurl truth from a distance and it takes effort to love somebody close up, but it's worth the effort. Does anybody have a friend who's one of those people? The guy that is always right. And I mean with everything, he's right about how church should be done and he's right about what theology is correct and, and what all those other churches are doing wrong, but including ours too. And he knows how everybody should spend their money and how everybody is a bunch of idiots except for him, he's right. Everybody should raise their kids the way that you know, he raises their kids. He knows how the, what the government um, does is wrong and he knows the truth about COVID, of course. And his sources are all right. Every single one of them, he listens to the right doctors and the right politicians. He's so right. And some of you are thinking like we have you know, mutual friends. He's right about everything. Have you ever wanted to just tell them one day, you know, friend, I'm so amazed. I can't believe that I get to be friends with you out of almost 8 billion people in the world. You are the smartest guy that has ever lived. You're right about everything. And it's like those, it's, you know, we, we can point, pick those people out. It's like they don't even know that they have no idea whatsoever that that's the person. But then it dawned on me, what if I'm one of those people too? Because let's just be honest, here I am, the guy on the mic, thinking I have something to say, but what if you are too? Because I can guarantee you there's a little bit of self-righteousness in all of us. And that's why it's incredibly important to pray a really dangerous, really humbling, and really God-honoring prayer. Bob, you can come on up. We're gonna close with it. It's found in Psalm 139. We've gone here before, verse 23 and 24. It reads this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then this part really gets to me. God, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search my heart, God. Show me where I'm arrogant. Show me where I'm judgmental. Show me where I'm self-deceived. Show me where I'm harboring anger against a group of people or against an individual. God, show me where I'm carrying an offense. Show me where I'm not being kind. 
and, and where I'm, I'm not being compassionate and when I'm not being forgiving and God help me get rid of all anger and malice and slander and be kind and compassionate because I don't want to give the enemy access to my heart and to my relationship, to, to my marriage, to my children, to my friends or to the church. Because when you live in anger, you give the enemy a place and a room, a foothold in your spiritual enemy. He wants to divide and distract and discredit and destroy. And what I've found is this. Being offended is inevitable, right? It is. But because of the grace and the goodness of God, living offended is a choice. And in the same way that I've been forgiven, I want to choose to be more forgiving. Because I don't know about you, but my life has never been better when I've been angry. And I've never made a difference when I'm in my flesh. And I've never been more loving when that happens. But I've been easily offended. And what I've noticed from that is this, that every single minute that I'm angry, I lose a minute of joy. And every single minute that I'm angry, I lose a minute of peace. And every single minute that I'm angry, I lose a minute that I can make a difference in the life of somebody else. What God's calling me to do. So being offended is inevitable. It's gonna happen. But living offended is a choice. Scripture tells this. And hey, if, if, if you do get angry, don't go to bed. Let's take it before God. And let's deal with it because we don't want to give the enemy any room in our lives. Amen? Yeah. So as followers of Jesus, we have a higher calling. We do. We're not going to shout truth from a distance. But we're going to get up in the lives of people that we don't understand and who've hurt us and who we have hurt and we're gonna go work through some things with them and you know how we're gonna do it? We're gonna be kind. We're gonna be compassionate to one another. We're gonna forgive others just as Jesus forgave us and if we can do that, we can keep the enemy out of the equation. And we can keep the spirit in and we can make a kingdom difference in our neighborhoods. A divided world needs a united church. Hello. A dark world needs a church full of brightness. So we're not going to let unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up. We're not here to make a point. We're here to make a difference. We read it over and over and over again in scripture that we make a difference with the love of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray this morning that you would do a healing work in our hearts. And I know that there are people in our lives that drive us crazy. <laughs> but I know that there are times when we are those people. And so God, we ask you to search our hearts today. Holy Spirit, do corrective work in our hearts this morning. 
We pray, search me, God. Test my heart. See if there's any anxious way in me. See if there's any offense in me. Show me. Humble me. Father, would you lead me in the ways of everlasting? Help me to be kind and compassionate and forgiving the others as you forgive me. And Father, we ask that you would lead us and that you would, by the power of your spirit, help the words that we speak only lift others up. May we be a voice of encouragement and a voice of healing. And God, when we speak the truth, help us to speak it in love, always in love. In your mighty name we pray, amen, amen. Before we close, um, I wanna give you the opportunity If you need to resurrender your life to Jesus this morning or maybe make a decision for the first time. We've been talking about anger this morning and oh man, I just know that uh, from the conversations I've had this week, there's a lot of people that are stuck in a place where they're bitter, they're hurting. Um, resources have kind of dried up and they're in a hard place and it's just easy to let anger and bitterness set in. And the thing is, you know, we have a savior and he, it doesn't mean that it's all rainbows and sunshine and, and uh, rivers running through the valley, right? But the thing about Jesus is he's present and he's faithful and he's a rescuer. And he came to give you new life. He came to give his life a sacrifice so that um, we could live new. And, and so... I just want to give you the opportunity this morning to say, yes, yeah, I, I think there's something stirring in my heart. I can, I can feel it. There's, there's something moving me this morning to say yes to Jesus. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? We just want to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Praise God. All right. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father God, I give you my heart. All that I am is yours. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me. For coming and being my rescue. I want to follow you with my life. In your name, I pray. Amen.